So today is special for a couple reasons. As Pastor Gary uh, kind of alluded to, it is Memorial Day. And in this country, we take for granted often what Memorial Day really is. We take for granted that men and women lost their lives to defend this great nation. And we take for granted that we're allowed to freely worship in a place like this. We're allowed to spread the, the word of the gospel. We're allowed to say Jesus' name on any street corner without fear of persecution or prosecution from our government, right? But great men and women had to give their life to protect that freedom. And so today, I'm sure the lakes are full, even though it's kind of miserable outside, but I'm sure the lakes are full, the campgrounds are full, and people hopefully have an extended weekend, maybe to enjoy with their family. But I do want us to take some time away and just remember those that gave their life, gave the ultimate sacrifice, and also thank their family and remember their families that are dealing with that on this weekend. Today is also special for something that we might not have realized. Today is the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, so 50 days after Easter, the church was filled, and the tongues of fire came down, and people started speaking in different tongues, and people around started hearing that, and started hearing the word of the Lord in their own language, and they came to Christ. 3,000 people gave their life to Christ on the day of Pentecost. I don't know how often Memorial Day and Pentecost fall on the same day, but there are no mistakes that this message is supposed to be today. There are no mistakes. Let me pray real quick. Lord, I want to thank you for this day. Lord, I'm your humble servant. I just pray that you use me, Lord. I just pray that I step aside and you just use my voice, my tongue, my mouth to deliver your message, Lord. I pray that the ears in this room Don't hear my voice. Don't hear my words. They only hear you, Lord. They only hear the message that you want to deliver, Lord. The words that I speak are fallible. They're wrong. They can never be pure, Lord, but your message is pure. And I just pray, Lord, that they hear your message. I pray for all the families that lost lost people to defend this great nation. I pray for my brothers, Chris Elise, Aaron Whitman, Steve Edie Shooter, and Michael Fouguet, I pray, pray for their families, Lord. I pray that you just fill them with joy and fullness on this weekend where they are suffering with loss, Lord. I pray all those things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. So as Pastor Gary was kind of talking, he was saying that I have this desire to be here. I have never once had a desire to stand on a stage, to stand behind a pulpit. Never once has that crossed my mind. Never once have I thought to myself, man, this looks like fun. This looks terrifying to me, and this is terrifying to me. But we have an amazing pastor that he pushes us and stretches us to try to do things that are not within our wheelhouse so that we can better the house of the Lord. And it's amazing to me that we have a pastor that will sit there and hand his shepherd's hook to someone from his congregation to speak to the flock, and he never once asked me what I'm going to talk about today. Never once. Someone wants to borrow my truck, and I'm about to give them the keys to my truck. I'm like, ooh. (laughs) It's a 2015, but man, I like to keep it nice. Can you just park it away? Don't 
don't put too much stuff in the bed of the truck, don't scratch it, right? And yet this man gave me this shepherd's hook today and said, yeah, go ahead, speak. There's a message on your heart. But he also, not only did he allow me to speak, but he also, like he said, pushed me along. Pushed me along. Because he knew that this is not my desire. He's kind of like that, that mama bird trying to kick the baby bird out of the nest. And he's like, come on, fly. And I drug my heels every step of the way. He would ask me, are you going to speak that message? And I would drag my heels. I'd say, no, I'm not ready yet. I'm too uncomfortable. I'd like to speak at the men's breakfast before I speak on this stage in front of a bunch of people, right? Like, let me get comfortable with public speaking. He would say, okay. Next time I'd see him, be like, are you ready yet? See, God also knows that that is my tendency to procrastinate, right? God also knows that it's my tendency to drag my feet. God also knows that it's my tendency to not want to step out in his works. But we have a pastor that's good enough to push us, to stretch us past what we are normally able and willing to do, and to start doing God's work. See, God's timing is perfect. We count time in seconds, in minutes, in hours, in days, in months, in years, in decades, centuries, millennia. That's how we count time. But God's timing is absolutely perfect. God knew I would delay, and God also put a message on my heart. There's no mistake in God's timing. There's, a, there's no mistake of why this message needs to be spoken today, not because it's Memorial Day. The reason why I wanted to speak, this message needs to be spoken today because it's the day of Pentecost. Yeah. The day of Pentecost as we know it, if you look in my study Bible, it also has a few other terms for it. The harvest feast, the festival of harvest. This isn't a feast of the mouth. This is a feast of God's people, right? This is when 3,000 new believers came to Christ. And there's a reason why this message needs to be spoken today. See, I didn't want to speak this message I wanted to delay, but last week, on Saturday, Rondo gave an amazing message. You affected the men's ministry more than you'll ever know. We want to all thank you, because it was so powerful. And he gave this great symbology of light and illumination. And he was talking about how in Genesis, God said, let there be light. And that light illuminates our path. Then he talked about how at nighttime, in darkness, we can't see where we're going unless there's the moon. But see, that moon is not creating its own light. It's only reflecting God's light. And that's what illuminates our path. That was so powerful, so incredibly powerful. Then he challenged us one step further and said, shouldn't we all be that moon reflecting God's light in everything we do? Extremely powerful. You can take it a step further and say, that night when you can't see your path in front of you and you look up at that sky, every single one of those stars is another sun. 
yet none of them illuminate your path. See, those are all the worldly things in our life. There are also other sons trying to be like God's light, but none of them illuminate the path in darkness. Such an amazing symbol of what we should be. After that men's breakfast, I went up to PG and I said, Pastor Gary, that was amazing. I was like, I would like to do something. This is for me, right? I want to do something for me. If you don't mind, I would like to speak and talk about Memorial Day in the announcements. PG, of course, looks at me and says, why don't you just give the whole message on Sunday? (laughs) What? No. So I told him, I said, no, PG, I'm not ready for that. I was like, let me look at my schedule on Monday. That's when my schedule gets finalized. Let me look at my schedule on Monday, and then I'll decide if, if, if maybe I can speak today, Sunday. <clears throat> then he gave his message the next day. He talked about the mission statement of this church. And as I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to his message, and I'm looking at the notes from this word that that God placed on my heart three months ago, and I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing that some of the scriptures he says are already in my notes. And I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to his message, and I sat back, and it's like, this, this message that God could place, that placed on my heart months ago could be a series with what he talked about last week. See, God's timing is perfect. If I would have said this message a month ago, two months ago, or six months from now, it wouldn't have had the same impact because it's not on God's time. Seconds, minutes, hours, that's human. Everything else is God's time. It's not late, it's not early, it's perfect. So I'm going to get straight to the point with the message today. I find often when I'm sitting in the seats that about 15 minutes into it, sometimes my eyes glaze over and I start to think of other things and then I kind of wake up at the end. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to lose you. I'm going to get straight to the point. I'm going to hit you with the substance of this message right now. And if you take anything away today, I want you to take away this and then we'll unravel it for the rest of it. But if you walk away and you daze, you could go to sleep after this next three minutes. These next three minutes are what God put on my heart. They're not up on the screen because as I was praying yesterday saying, God, fill me up with your word, things changed. So here it is. If you're a note taker, here's where you take notes. I want you to write these down, but I I need you to leave some space beforehand. It's about four words beforehand. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to go through these words, and then we're going to fill in the blanks afterwards. It's kind of like an elementary school exercise. You ready for this? All right, here are the words. Small, insignificant, unimportant, unworthy, and undeserving. And you can fill in any other word that is on your heart right now when I say those. I'm going to repeat them for you. Small, insignificant, unimportant, unworthy, undeserving. For God's grace.
Now here's the, the, the first part that we're going to fill in. You are not too small, insignificant, un, unimportant, unworthy, undeserving for God's grace. We have to believe that because that is what I battled for the first part of my life. I never thought I was worthy of God's grace. And until we get that through our head, that no matter what we do, we are worthy of God's grace, the rest of this is so much more difficult. We have to get that. See, that was the first part of my life. And then once I found God's grace, that's the second half of my life. It's almost like my midlife crisis, but I feel like I'm way too young for it. Here's, we're going to do the same exercise again. This time I want you to leave about space for about five words. Same thing. Terrible, shameful, sinful, disgraceful, dishonorable. Again, fill in any other word that you're feeling when we say these things. Because they all basically are the same thing. Terrible, shameful, sinful, disgraceful, dishonorable. To do God's work. See, when we fill in that first section, it sounds like this. Your past is not too terrible, shameful, sinful, disgraceful, dishonorable to do God's work. See, the first half of my life, I felt like I couldn't, wasn't deserving of God's grace. Once I found God's grace, the second half of my life is my first half was so terrible, I can't do God's work now. But guess what? That's not how it's supposed to be. Because guess what? Our past is not too terrible, shameful, sinful, disgraceful, dishonorable, add any other word to do God's work. Last week, Pastor Gary talked about the mission statement of this church. Winning the lost, setting captives free, discipling, for, discipling to believers, excuse me, and freedom of worship. See, you're either in one of two categories on that list. You either need to be set free, and you need to understand that you are worthy of God's grace, or... We need to be setting captives free. And you're in the second category that says our past is not too terrible to do God's work. We're either one or the other. And let me tell you cliff notes of this, guys, because this is where the rubber meets the road. There's not enough Pastor Gary's, Pastor Pat's, Pastor Denny's, Pastor Greg's, Pastor, 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 Pastors in Scott County to save Scott County. We can't rely on the pastors to do the work of God. It's the body of Christ that needs to do the work of God. See, Pentecost started with 120 and ended with 3,000. And now we have this. As Pastor Denny said, this is the birth of the church is Pentecost. It wasn't through pastors. It was through the spreading of the word. Each and every one of us needs to go out and do God's work. And guess what? Your history is part of God's work. Your past is part of God's work. See, my walk with the Lord is not like 
your walk with the Lord. My walk of faith is not like your walk of faith. It's another one of those symbols that I can kind of instantly imagine in my head. And anytime I imagine that walk with faith, I see like this picturesque, like walking with Jesus, and it's beautiful. And for some reason, he's like 10 foot tall, or I'm, I don't know. But like, <laughs> it's always in my mind, in my mind's eye, it's third person, and I, there's a child walking with Jesus. And it's almost in the sunset where like the, the beautiful skies rays, the sun rays are kind of coming through. Absolutely gorgeous. And for some reason, I never can see what they're walking on, but that's my, my image, my mind's image of walking with the Lord. That was not my walk with faith. My walk with faith was an obstacle course. It was like one of those marine obstacle courses, kind of like those Spartan races or like those tough mudders where there's like a 10-foot wall over here, and I'm trying to walk with the Lord, and I have to jump over the wall, and then there's mud, and then there's a barbed wire fence like this that I have to crawl under in the mud, right? And then after that, there's monkey bars that I'm climbing on, and there's mud, right? That was my walk with faith. And guess what? Every single one of those obstacles, I put there. Jesus had a better way. God had a better way. He had a better plan. But I decided to construct all these obstacles that I had to go over, under, through, around. But I'm here now. Right? God has me right where he wants me now. God has you right where he wants you now. Right? You're either in those seats because you need to be doing God's work or... You, be need, you need God's grace. You're in the right seats. See, after that obstacle course, I came out on the other side, and I was bruised, and I was bloodied, and I was scarred, but I wasn't muddy. I was clean on the other side. See, the majority of my life, I lived in the flesh. Sounds weird, right? 100% true. The majority of my life, I lived in the flesh. I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. I went to too many bars. I went to places where I shouldn't have been. I went to, saw things that I shouldn't have seen. I partied too hard. I drank too much. I did all of those things. My life was somewhere in between Top Gun and Animal House. The fact that you were all laughing, you know what Animal House is, means you lived in the flesh too. (laughs) We were pilots. We worked hard and we played really hard. It felt good at the time. But all those bars are empty. All those bottles are empty. Never felt fulfilled. Right? We know that. We know that. See, but my living in the flesh is what brought me here today, right? My path, my obstacle course that I laid out is what brought me right here today. And again, God's timing is perfect. Philippians 3, 13 through 14, I think they have that up there. There we go. It says this, 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's part of the mission statement of this church. That's the scripture I had written down on my phone months ago for this message. This scripture I love, but I also get tripped up on. I love the idea that you're straining toward what is ahead, that eagerness for what is ahead. I love that. This part, though, forgetting what is behind tripped me up forever. I don't know if I want to forget what's behind. See, my dad always told me, and there's this famous quote that says, if you you forget history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I kind of looked it up, and um, George Santayana, he's a Spanish philosopher and an atheist. He's the one credited with this quote. I'm sure if me and George, if he was alive today and we sat down, we would disagree on a lot of things. He's an atheist. I obviously am not. He's a philosopher. I obviously am not. We disagree on a lot of things, but he, this is the quote that he was credited with. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. See, if I forget that obstacle course, I'm going to do it again. See, and then I kept dwelling over this quote, and then I got deeper in the word. I looked at my study Bible, and this is what my study Bible says. Forgetting, not losing all memory of his sinful past, but leaving it behind him as done and settled. See, we're not supposed to... You can clap. I'll take it. I'll take applause. It's not my word. We're not supposed to forget our past. That's our history. And if we forget it, we're condemned to do it over and over and over again. We're not supposed to forget it. That's us. That's what makes us uniquely us. But we do need to rewrite it. See, because as long as my obstacle course ends in the mud, that's not God's work. But the moment I get out of that obstacle course and I'm standing with the Lord and I'm clean, I might be scarred, beat up, bruised, bloodied, but I'm clean. Now I can use that obstacle course. I can use my history for the good of God. Right? There's a reason why I said that at the end of that obstacle course, I'm clean. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen. See, on the other side of that obstacle, I might, obstacle course, I might be beat up. On the other side of my fleshly ways, I am beat up, but I'm clean. It's forgiven. You know, the other symbology that I I see in this, when you get out of that obstacle course and you're beat up, bruised, bloodied, and scarred, scars are interesting. Mm -hmm. 
they also make us uniquely us. See, in scars, I can look at this scar on my wrist. It was from a motorcycle accident when I was 21 years old. I was a junior in college. I had my whole life ahead of me. I had a pilot slot with the Air Force. I was about to go live <laughs> Top Gun, right? About to. Hadn't touched a plane yet. I was on my motorcycle. And I can remember every finite detail of that day. If I close my eyes, I can hear my motorcycle. I can hear the downshifts and the clanking of the chain as I downshift. I can hear the motor. I can smell the grass. I can see Tugudu Road in South Carolina. I can see the trees on the right-hand side. I can tell you every single little detail up into that accident. I can remember how I told the ambulance to, that I was fine. And I remember later that day going to the hospital at my school and them saying it was a sprain. Three months later, when I went to a wrist surgeon, he said I had a broken bone, a bunch of dislocations in my wrist, and they were going to have to remove all the bones in my wrist and fuse it together. He told me I was going to have to get emergency surgery that half the bone in my, in my wrist had died. I needed emergency surgery. And I went back to the Citadel and we had flight docs. These are the docs that are in the Air Force that tell us whether we can fly or not. And I went to the flight doc and I said, hey, I'm about to have this surgery. How does that affect my flying status? And the flight doc looks at me and said, if they fuse your wrist, you'll never touch an airplane in the Air Force. 21 years old about to live my dream, not God's dream, but my dream. And I was just told that I wasn't going to touch an airplane. I remember sitting down right before they put me on the operating table and I had to sign the waiver to allow them to take all the bones out of my wrist. And I prayed to God that they wouldn't have to. And then they put me under. When I woke up, that surgeon looked at me and he told me that he had flown another surgeon in from Savannah, Georgia, and they did a procedure that has never been done before. And they were able to put Humpty Dumpty back together, put a bunch of screws in it, some pins in it, and guess what? The rest is history. Hey, did you hear that? Praise God. Guess what I didn't do? Guess what I didn't do? Those were my fleshly ways. I asked God for something when I needed it. I didn't praise him when I got it. I want to take you on a little exercise with me real quick. This one's not the elementary school one, but it's a little bit tougher. I want you all to remember a scar that you have. Not internal, emotional scar. I want you to Think about an injury that you had. And I want you to just kind of think for a second of those details. And I don't want this to be trauma in your past. If you have trauma in your past and you're thinking about that scar, let us pray for you afterwards. But I just want it to be something that you can bring up some details. And I'm going to give you a few seconds while you think of that scar, how you got injured. You could hear a mouse running across that floor, couldn't you? 
See, we all thought about a scar, a time that we were injured, but yet no one was screaming out in pain. Why? I know this hurt really, really bad, and I can remember every single detail about this injury, but yet when I think about it, I, I can't bring back the pain. Guess what? As soon as we repent, it no longer hurts the Lord. See, we can do all of these things, put all these obstacles, sin and sin and sin and be terrible. And as soon as we repent, it no longer brings the Lord pain. It's done. As soon as we repent, it's done. My son the other night, he's 10 years old and he's a notoriously slow eater. He's he would be a good race for a sloth. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you'd laugh. And it's funny if you're not sitting there for an hour watching me eat a hamburger. Like, so we are sitting down for dinner, and it's one of those days that's going to be hard on me. My wife was in California. She's very good at doing the solo mom thing. I am terrible at doing the solo dad thing. I don't cook. Terrible at it. I had cooked that night. I had done all the things, and I got to get the kids ready for baseball. And my son is being a notoriously slow eater. So I start doing the dishes. I'm getting the other kiddo ready for baseball. Um, Just one of those nights. And I'm sitting there doing the dishes, and I'm kind of fuming inside. And my son looks at me and says, thanks for having grace with me, Dad. See, I don't remember the last time I was mad at him. I don't remember his last mistake. He does. I don't remember those. But I do remember how he looked at me and said, Dad, thanks for having grace with me. Our Lord's the same way, right? As soon as we say, Lord, thank you for having grace with me. See, we are not too small, insignificant, unimportant, unworthy, undeserving for his grace. And furthermore, our past is not too terrible, shameful, sinful, disgraceful, dishonorable to do God's work. See, after I found the Lord after I started living, stopped living in my flesh, I thought I was too terrible to do God's work. My past is too shameful to ever step up here and talk to any of you. But the more you read the Bible, the more you get into scripture, the more you realize that the characters in the Bible all have wayward paths. Besides one, right? So many unworthy characters. Mary Magdalene, the prodigal son. That story tears me up every single time. Runs away, drinks his life away, comes back to, it's pretty much my life, right? Essentially, comes back to his father. How about Jacob? 
literally grabbing the heel of his brother out of the womb, deceiving his brother, deceiving his father, right? Now named Israel. This is where this message is going to get really real for us. And this is where maybe Pastor Gary will start screaming who he allows speaks at his church <laughs> beforehand. Buckle up. Go for it, buddy. So are we doing God's work? That's the real question. Are we doing God's work? There's not enough Pastor Gary's, Pastor Denny's, Pastor Pat's, pastors to do God's work. So last week, Pastor Gary said, to win the loss, it's really simple. Three things. Ask them about their story, tell them about your story, and then tell the story, right? Those three things. Now listen to me. When someone tells me their story and they're living in the flesh and partying, my story becomes so much more real to them. Because I tell them my story and I say, brother, I was there. I understand. I know the obstacle course that you laid out and I know how to get to the end. Because that story is uniquely mine, but we have so much in common, right? We have a connection. Now, if someone tells me their story and they're an addict... I don't have that connection. I'll still tell him my story, but maybe his story isn't as impactful. If someone tells me about how they're being abused, again, I don't have that. If someone tells me about depression, that's not my story. I didn't have that struggle. I can't tell them I know how you feel. I know the way out. But my wife has struggled with depression. She has that story. See, my mom, when she, has, she got diagnosed with cancer, I couldn't look her in the eye and say, Mom, I know how that feels. I've been there. But Pastor Gary can and has. See, when we hide our history, when we hide our story, we are robbing people that need to hear it. Yeah, that's good. Amen. See, it's only history, and it's only bad if we let it be that way. But as soon as we rewrite it and we accept it and we understand that it's not too terrible and shameful and sinful and dishonorable, as soon as we understand that, then guess what? When we start talking to people, that history is rewritten for good. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Miss Wilma, can I ask you to tickle those keys? I love it. Thank you so much. So we have to ask, are we doing God's work? It's the day of Pentecost, the harvest feast. See, we can't change Scottsburg. PG can't do it. It has to be everybody. It has to be the whole church. A long time ago, PG was speaking a message. He 
God laid on in my heart that this is the mustard seed of Scott County. And it truly is, church. We can't change Scott County. We can't make Scott County better through bureaucracy, through politics. We have to do it through the Lord. And the same goes for Indiana and the United States and the world. I always thought that I was too insignificant and small to do God's work. I'm gonna tell you the last story. In Luke 23, 40 through 42. This is the story of the cru- uh, uh, Christ's crucifixion. And we have the two thieves or criminals that are by Christ, and one of them has already renounced Jesus. And the other criminal looks at his fellow criminal and says, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, oh, excuse me. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. We all agree that this book is perfect and infallible. That story is told in Matthew and Mark as well. And see, we know nothing about the criminal's backstory. We don't know if he has a pregnant wife and he's just trying to feed his home. We don't know. In this book, 280 letters, 50 words, told a story. One of the most impactful stories in the Bible. One man, a sinner, in his dying breath, asking Jesus, Jesus, remember me. And he's now with the Lord. 50 characters is not too small. Our stories are not too small to do God's work. Let me pray. Lord, we want to thank you. We thank you today, Lord, the day of Pentecost. And Lord, I pray that these people, we all as your church body in Christ go out and do your work for you, Lord, that we do good for you. I pray that the ears in this room heard your message, Lord. I pray for those families that lost loved ones. I pray that you fill them with joy and happiness and fullness in the time of hurting, Lord. I pray for this church. I pray that they continue to be the mustard seed in this community, Lord. I pray for Scottsburg and Scott County. I pray for our pastors, that you fill them up Lord, that you just make them overflow so that they can pour onto this congregation. Lord, and I pray for our worship team that they can do the same. Pray for this church, that they just have a safe Memorial Day, that they have family time, Lord. In 
Jesus' name we pray.